Welcome to Brown Bag Religion, the MF Casser podcast. Uh, but no, it's <laughs> no, it's twelve thirty, so we'll start. And uh, it's a pleasure to welcome uh, Esther Bronsmith uh, to this week's Caster Lunch Talk. Um, Esther is presently at uh, at the uh, Center for Advanced Study in Oslo. Uh, joining Liv Ingeborg's projects, books known only by title. Uh, but uh, she's also a postdoctor fellow at MF. Uh, so uh, I'm working with the Book of Esther from the Hebrew Bible. So we are uh, curious to know what you have to say about that, uh, Esther. Please. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, let me go ahead and share my screen. So thank you so much for everyone joining today. And I'm really looking forward to sharing some of my current research on the Book of Esther with you. So I have three main goals today. First is to show that we can read the Book of Esther as fan fiction. Then I'm going to show what we gain using that category of analysis. And hopefully by the end, I will demonstrate that fan fiction studies can be a fruitful lens for the study of ancient texts. So I'm gonna start off with some basics. First, what is fan fiction? Roughly speaking, fan fiction is stories written by fans that expand on the characters or universe of a source material. So for instance, a fan of Star Trek might write stories about Star Trek characters um, going on adventures together. It's a broad and growing modern genre with tens of millions of fan fiction stories on the internet already. But rather than pin down the borders of fan fiction with a specific definition, I'm more interested in another question. What does fan fiction do? So it does several things, and here's my cat classification of a few of them. First, fan fiction emerges from a fan community as part of a gift economy. That is, it's written by and for people who have familiarity with pre-existing source material, a canon, and it's created as a gift rather than commissioned for profit. Second, fan fiction satisfies the desire for more and other. So to paraphrase Henry Jenkins, a fan fiction scholar, fan fiction results from the combination of fascination and frustration, a love for canon combined with a desire for something more or different. And a consequence of this is that fan fiction stories are highly affect driven, whether they're sweet romance or sad tragedy, they elicit strong emotions in the reader. Third, fan fiction is gendered in authorship and content. Women make up a vast majority of modern fan fiction authors and readers, and various forms of gender play comprise some of the most popular fan fiction stories out there. Finally, fan fiction supplements without supplanting. So its goal isn't to get you to read it instead of canon. Instead, it provides additional pleasure for people who are already fans of the existing canon, while viewing that canon as an authority for the story worlds that those authors create. So as you may have noticed, there's a lot of overlap between fan fiction studies and the ancient textual studies. Both of them focus on texts that creatively interact with a pre-existing canon. They focus on texts created by passionately devoted fan communities, not just individual authors creating a masterpiece. And they both involve a transformative yet non-disruptive relationship between canon and offshoots. 
that is, the secondary text adds to canon without negating it. So for all these reasons, more and more scholars are starting to compare ancient texts to fan fiction, often with very interesting results. That said, there are a few pitfalls to making a simple comparison between the two. First are questions of particularism. Why should the behavior of one modern subculture be predictive for a vastly different culture? Second is the related issue of similarity. Is the phenomenon of fan fiction actually similar to these ancient texts or are we just cherry picking commonalities? And then there are the obvious factors where similarity does break down. So nobody's arguing that all these ancient texts were written by a community of young women as modern fan fiction is. So how do we account for these differences? And finally, there's the question of productivity. Is fan fiction really a useful lens or does it just allow us to have fun by connecting to modern pop culture? So these are real that the field needs to address and I don't want to minimize them. But at the same time, as I move into my own research in the Book of Esther, I hope to show that it's still possible to get some very interesting results. So I know that not everyone here is familiar with the story of the Book of Esther. So I'll first start with a brief summary. The story begins in the lavish Persian court of King Ahasuerus. Esther, a beautiful Jewish maiden, is taken from her cousin Mordecai and chosen as the new queen. Meanwhile, the wicked courtier Haman schemes against Mordecai and convinces the king to exterminate all the Jews. But Esther bravely approaches the king and ultimately saves the Jewish people. And to commemorate the occasion, Esther and Mordecai established the holiday of Purim, which is still celebrated today by Jewish communities. Now, ever since the 19th century, biblical scholars have looked at Esther's name and noticed that it was awfully similar to another ancient Near Eastern name, the goddess Ishtar. Ishtar was the greatest of the Mesopotamian goddesses. Her domain included love, sex, and war making. We know Ishtar from many ancient myths, prayers, and hymns, and the similarities with Esther don't just end at their names. And I don't have time to go through all these similarities, but do note in the top left that in Megillah 13a, the rabbis even say overtly that Esther got her name from the goddess Ishtar. Unfortunately, after scholars got very excited about this connection in the 19th century, they dug and dug and hit a lot of dead ends. So by 1905, one major commentary would say that the similarity of names could hardly be accidental, but after a very detailed discussion of all the relevant theories, he concluded that no close counterpart to it has yet been discovered in Babylonian literature. And that was basically the consensus until the present. There have been a handful of modern attempts to link the two figures, but none that have won a lot of widespread support. And that is where fan fiction studies comes in, and specifically a type of story known as an alternate universe or AU. So an AU is a fan work which changes one or more elements of the source works canon. So for instance, a supernatural TV show about werewolves might become a slice of life story set in a coffee shop or a story about Sherlock Holmes might imagine him as a reclusive movie star. Now these AUs are wildly popular in fandom. So in fact, if you look at the tag cloud for stories on archive of our own, one of the leading fan fiction sites, AUs are the second most popular tag, comprising one in five stories on the site. So to show you how they work, I'll briefly look at what is almost certainly the most famous AU fanfiction story, Master of the Universe, which got turned into the novel Fifty Shades of Grey. 
In this story, the author took the two main characters from the Twilight books, Bella and Edward, but she transplanted them to a new setting, the Lux world of wealthy corporations. Then she used those characters and that setting in a classic fan fiction plot, the development of a fantasy of BDSM between two characters. And this combination is exactly what we see in the Book of Esther. We have these two cousin protagonists, Ishtar and Marduk, Esther and Mordecai, coming from Babylonian mythology. And we have them in a familiar fictional setting, the Jew in the foreign court that we see in stories like Daniel and Joseph. And then we have them used in a classic plot as we see in Judith and Maccabees where Jewish exemplars show integrity and save their people from foreign threat. So it's through this three-part AU fusion of characters, setting, and plot that the author creates something new. So to understand how this is working, I'm gonna go back to these four points about what fan fiction was. First, the Book of Esther comes out of a fan community, one which shared ideas of Jewish practice and identity, and it was created independently rather than commissioned by a ruler. Second, it absolutely satisfies this dual desire for more and other as a new Jewish story that doesn't conflict with existing narratives. And this affect central style pervades the Book of Esther. You have a lot of hyperbolic descriptions and frequent peripety of the sudden inversion of circumstances, all of which encourage an almost melodramatic and very emotional experience for the reader. It's also a very gendered text. The Book of Esther has a female protagonist, one who exerts authority and writes her own letters. And gen queer and gender bending moments abound as several scholars have studied in depth and women in eunuchs comprise almost half the named characters, which is quite different from almost any other ancient Jewish books. And finally, the Book of Esther supplements without supplanting. So one of the famous, most famous features of the book is that it contains no references to God, even where we might otherwise expect them. And I believe that this is how it distinguishes itself explicitly from the texts that preceded it. This is how it says, I'm fan fiction, not canon. It provides a fun story for Jewish readers, but it's not attempting to supersede or even expand the corpus of inspired authoritative texts. And to be clear, I'm not proposing that it's contrasting with the fixed biblical canon. Um, rather, as Mochek has shown, ancient Judaism had a broad imagined library that talked about the relationship between God and Israel. But in the book of Esther, God and Israel are both entirely absent, and this is no accident. So next, I want to briefly touch on one very specific way that the book of Esther acts like fan fiction, its embrace of the carnivalesque. So Bakhtin proposed the idea of carnival as a space where hierarchies and expectations could be turned upside down, a place of feasts and fools, of subversion and carnal delight. And the Book of Esther has had several major scholarly examinations of it as an example of the carnivalesque with examples and details too numerous to cover here. But the carnivalesque has also been applied to the world of fan fiction as the quote on the right says, using existing social structures such as gender roles or culture of consumerism as a springboard, fan sites can become spaces for a sort of cyber carnival. So in both cases, this space of carnival becomes a mode for subversion and earthy play. So what does all this mean for the Book of Esther and the community that produced it? Well, in the process of explaining why people write fan fiction, scholars have come up with a few potential models. 
There's the model of whether you're interested in more of the same or in something different and new. There's the model I mentioned before about fascination versus frustration, which emotions are guiding your fanish activities. One of my favorite models is activity-based. Do your actions affirm the existing canon or do they try to transform it into something new? And finally, there's the issue of identity. Do fans identify with the characters they see in their canon or are they from marginalized groups that tend to be underrepresented in canon? Now, all these models are absolutely spectrums, not dichotomies, and most fans engage in behavior on both sides of the spectrum. But as a whole, fan fiction, and therefore also the Book of Esther, are comprised of the right-hand column. So given that observation, what can we conclude about the Book of Esther? Well, one simplistic conclusion would be to decide that Esther, like most fan fiction, was written by a woman. I'm not arguing that, I think we simply can't know. But what we can say is that Esther was written by a community that wanted to creatively transform the text around it. Court stories, myths about Ishtar and Marduk, tales of Jewish identity and resilience into something new and different. We can say that this community encouraged play around ideas of gender, sexuality, authority, and cultural identity. The community could imagine women as actors, authors, and sources of authority. And finally, the Book of Esther was likely written by a marginalized community, one that needed the hope of transformation provided by Bakhtin's carnival. So as I conclude, I wanna go from the very broad to the very specific with a case study on one of the small cruxes in Esther. In Esther 5.1, just before Esther goes in to petition the king, it says, when it was the third day, Esther clothed herself in malchut, which means majesty or kingdom. Now this is a kind of odd construct in Hebrew. Generally, you clothe yourself in things, not in concepts. And so most commentators say things like, since it would be strange for someone to wear a kingdom, we should understand and well complement here. Esther put on implicitly the things of the kingdom. But if we're taking Esther, the book of Esther as an AU featuring the character Ishtar, then we can expect links between Esther and Ishtar not links of direct plot or dialogue, but links in the realm of characterization and appearance like this. And indeed, when we look at the literature on Ishtar, we see that the same verb, labashu, is used in similar constructions with her. Ishtar is clothed in terror or clothed in sexual charm. Her doppelganger is clothed in fearsomeness. Thus, if we read Esther as an AU version of Ishtar, it is unsurprising to see her clothed in rulership. And part of the clarity that the AU model provides is that we can see these connections in characterization without feeling the need to have the Book of Esther based on a specific Babylonian legend. As we saw, the character, setting, and plot of an AU all have distinct origins, and we can study each of them separately and then look at the skillful way that they're combined. So I hope you'll agree that fan fiction in general, and the AU in particular, is indeed a productive model. It helps us speculate about motivations for the text. It gives us vocabulary. It helps us conceptualize the community that produced it. And it helps explain unexpected features. Moreover, the study of fan fiction opens up new questions, like the question of how much has to remain the same in an AU that are entirely applicable to ancient texts. So I very much appreciate your time and I look forward to all your questions. Thank you. Thank you, Esther.